Hi, I'm Bob Fisher, and I'm your host today on This is Design Intelligence. Mancini Duffy is a national design firm with more than 100 years of history and a tech-forward approach. William Mandara Jr. is the firm's CEO and co-owner, and Bolanle williams Ali is the CFO and co-owner. On this edition of This is Design Intelligence, they talk about the history of the firm, the transition to the current generation of leadership and diversified work typologies, and why creating a culture of trust within the firm has been key in building the kind of place people want to come to work. Welcome to this edition of This is Design Intelligence, conversations with leadership voices in the built environment. Today, we're joined in the studio by Bill Mandara, the CEO of Mancini Duffy, and Bolanle williams Ali the Chief Financial Officer, and they're here to talk about the amazing transformation that this firm has undergone in the last several years and what the firm's future looks like. But before we get into that part of the story, Bill and Bola, tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, how you came to the firm, and what your role in there encompasses. Sure. Thank you so much for having both Bill and I on your show today. Um, so my name is Bolanli williams Oli. CFO and one of the partners here at Mancini. Um, at my core, I really just like to throw steam parties. And I am <laughs> by day running uh, this amazing firm that we have. Um, I, I throw awesome parties. Uh, how I ended up at Mancini, I'm probably about 16 plus years now into my career. Uh, within the AEC world, I started from the very, very, very bottom as a junior project accountant, not by choice. I didn't want to do accounting or finance. I really wanted to carve a different path than the one my mother had. However, um, fate, technical drawing class in high school and uh, being an international student was sort of the perfect recipe for me to apply for uh, my very first job at an architecture firm. Uh, within their finance and accounting group, um, ended up getting the job. And I was like, I don't even know what this role is about, but I am here. So I am going to make the most of it and really learn about the industry. Uh, and so that that essentially put me on this path that I am, am now, like I said, 16 years um, in. 2008 financial crisis. Unfortunately, a lot of the folks within the accounting group got let go. That was an opportunity. I saw for myself, I went and spoke to the CFO and said, hey, listen, I've been working here for about a year. I really think I can do the billing and um, you know, accounting for 16 project managers. Uh, would you train me and invest in me so that I could really understand what I'm doing here? And he said, yes, I was really bold <laughs> and um, you know, saw an opportunity and I took it uh, and essentially spent five years at that first job spent another five years um, at another firm called SOM, Skidmore and Merrill. And then I got a call in 2017 asking if I would want to come run a finance group for um, another architecture firm. And the person on the other line is Bill and I's partner, Christian Giordano, who is telling me about the amazing things that are happening at Mancini and how you know he would like for me to join the connection to christian was actually from that very first job that i took as a junior project accountant i say he just remembered my character he always says i was the only one who talked to him when he came back to the accounting department um and yeah i joined the firm in 2017 as controller 
uh, spent one year as controller and I got promoted thanks to Bill, Christian, and our other partner. They said, it's time for us to write stand your title to CFO. And in the following year, I joined um, ownership. It's been an awesome ride. Tell us where your talent for themed parties came from. How does that fit into the whole thing? <laughs> Listen, you need a creative outlet, right? When you are when you are dealing with numbers day in, day out, um, I always say um, I come from a family of artists and I always thought I wasn't creative. And then I had children and, you know, you throw one big first birthday for the child, <laughs> which is really for the parent. And I caught the bug and so, um, you know, over the years, I have two children uh, who are awesome kids also, and we just come up with great themes. Bill can attest to my party planning skills. Absolutely. So, so Bill, uh, tell us a little bit about your path uh, to date. Sure. So a little bit different. Um, I came from the exotic land known as New Jersey, where I came from a, uh, you know, a family that had been in the construction industry ostensibly since since they came to this country from Sicily in the early 1900s. Uh, my dad was a general contractor. I spent most of my summers and time off along with my dad at work. And um, as ever since I was a kid, between my dad and my grandfather, it was always kind of like, well, the next step in our family would be to go on the other side of things and become an architect. So I went to architecture school, uh, graduated, Got my first job at a small firm in New Jersey, worked there for about 10, 11 years, made a move to a firm where I had an opportunity to have potential ownership and run my own office. And that was all going great until the uh, financial crisis of 2009 hit. And then that firm kind of didn't really do so well and did, did you know, a lot of things that a lot of other firms did around that time. And it was then acquired by a firm called Mancini Duffy to which I said, well, this isn't really going to be for me. And I really started trying to pursue my own thing and figure out a way in which I could just work for myself and have my own little firm. And a funny thing happened on the way to there. Um, it, it just kind of stayed there for a little while, treading water while I was getting my own thing together. And I met Christian who came here and him and I hit it off really well. And he approached me with the idea to take over the firm. And I said, all right, why not? Sounds thought about it for about two seconds, thought to my wife and thought it was a great idea. The existing ownership at the time was very gracious in letting us take on leadership roles that non-ownership would potentially would not have in order to facilitate a transition. And we bought the firm in 2016. And um, shortly thereafter, Christian said, I, I know this, this woman I used to work with who would be great. And we brought on Bola. And uh, ever since then, it's been amazing because uh, Bo and I have a great relationship. We trust each other a lot, and we uh, we kind of have a little bit of a shorthand at this point in, in what we do because uh, our responsibilities really uh, do cross over quite a bit in what we do every day, and it's it's been a great ride ever since. Well, I get the sense from both of your comments that you have a really close working relationship with Christian, like that the three of you work really well together. Tell us about him, and tell us about that working partnership. Well, I mean, you could, you know, we have, we probably have a group text between the three of us that, you know, I, I have my little text groups pinned with my family. And then that's the only other one, kind of non-family one that's in there. So we, 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 we certainly uh, talk to each other constantly. Listen, Christian's a great guy. He, um, him and I come from very different, yet very, very similar backgrounds um, with, with similar values in which we were raised. And 
you know, him and I met each other quickly and we, we knew immediately we were going to get along. So I have a great relationship with Christian and, you know, we get along great. Yeah. And I think for me, um, you know, coming in and all the partners who were here at, at the time I came in when I didn't, when I wasn't a partner, you know, being given the ability to come in, really take a look at what's happening from the financial and accounting perspective, suggest changes, see, state a financial vision for the group, look at our project managers and see how projects are running and, you know, how I really um, worked to integrate accounting within the project management process. Having the ability to make all those changes and it not fall on deaf ears, I was given the opportunity to make changes uh, and give recommendations um, as soon as I, I got in the door. And so, you know, we, we were talking earlier about trust and, you know, for these guys to trust me where, in essence, prior to coming to this firm, I hadn't uh, had exposure, I would say, to firm-wide finances, right? So I essentially got a double promotion when I came to Mancini. They saw something in me that they felt, you know, like this girl can come in and do a kick-ass job. And because of that, I think, you know, our working relationship where that trust was built, where, you know, I was given opportunity to grow and learn really, really quickly on the job. I don't take that for granted at all. And so the relationship, working relationship that the three of us have, along with, you know, our other partners and, and our management team, I would say has been one that I haven't, you know, coming up in the career, I have in my career, I haven't, I didn't get an opportunity to see with other leaders, see at other firms. And so being, giving that, that space to, to really make uh, impact next to none from me. It's, it's helped us as we've navigated, I would say the last three years, just develop a deep trust amongst each other. We all know our strengths. We know our weaknesses. We know how to balance off of each other. So it's been great, I think, for us to just learn each other professionally and personally. Well, it sounds like a really great situation because it's not every firm that embraces metrics and numbers and finances. What kind of culture around measurement, numbers, money have you all tried to cultivate at Mancini Duffy? I think one of the things that I tried to do as soon as I came into the door was just look at the rhythms that we have in place because you cannot fix what you're not measuring, right? If you If you just try to close your eyes or don't pay attention. You're essentially driving your car blind. And so I'm very big on rhythms. You know, what are our weekly financial rhythms? What are we, what are we paying attention to every week? What are we looking at every month? What information are we sharing to our studio leaders or project managers that are putting them in a much better position to make decisions uh, from a numbers perspective, to make decisions on their projects? Because you're dealing with simple to complex projects, right? And it's very easy to just get caught up in doing awesome work. Architects and interior designers are amazing. <laughs> but we need to pause for a second and make sure that, okay, we issued an invoice. Are we following up on that invoice? Or we initially said we were going to have three people working on a project. Well, now you have 10 people working on the project what's going on, right? Are we still within scope, within budget? And if you do not have certain rhythms in place, none of that is going to be measurable, right? We are not going to be able to see 
where we're doing well and how we double down on our good efforts, like what is making us do well on certain projects and where we're failing and and quickly, very quickly trying to minimize whatever is within our control. All of that stems from being transparent about what the numbers are saying and sharing that and explaining, right? And, and kind of like breaking down a language that architects and designers understand, not accounting speak. <laughs> right. <laughs> because at the end of the day, what does Bill want to know? Is my firm okay? Are we going to be fine next month? What do we need to pay? What money came in? Yeah. And, and, and you know, part of what makes it all work is we all, you know, listen, I'm good at I'm good at, I know how to put buildings together and I know how to make music. I don't, you know, and my, and I grew up with my dad who owned a company. So I, you know, I kind of understood some of the basics of it, but I didn't, you know, I went to architecture school. I did not, I did not get a, an accounting degree or a finance degree. So I don't, you know, I understand the basics, but like, like, like Boa said, it, it makes it a lot easier when you have somebody A that you can trust and B that can put it into a, a package that's digestible because, when I first came to Mancini, I had not been involved in the finances of a firm. And sometimes, quite frankly, I would sit through some of these things and my I, I would either, you know, my eyes would glaze over, or I'd feel overwhelmed. But at any rate, the same result was me, you know, start thinking about what I was going to make for dinner or what, you know, what else we were going to do or what my next meeting was. So uh, I'm grateful that Bo is here, A, to have somebody to trust and B, to, like she said, put it in a in a digestible fashion for us. And I think that even with Christian too, you know, him and I, like I mentioned, we're very similar, yet we do different types of things and we've both excelled at different types of things where Christian has always been on the design end and can speak that language very well, whereas I've always been on the technical end and I can speak that very well. And, and you know, we don't, we don't get in each other's way. And uh, we, like I said, we know what we're good at and we're, we're not as good as the other person. So Bill, we um, were lucky enough to interview you for the Design Intelligence Quarterly, and that story should appear in uh, October 2023. And in that story, you told us a little bit about the history of the firm and the transition to the current generation of leadership. Can you kind of give us an overview of that? Sure. Um, so, you know, Mancini Duffy is a more than a century old company that initiated as a single person firm um, and then into a multiple ownership that did banks in, in New York and a lot of historic buildings. And then, you know, fast forward to the 80s when Ralph Mancini and O'Neill Duffy uh, had a, a partnership really made by a potential client out of necessity. They, they merged the firm very quickly and became an interiors powerhouse, uh, you know, through the 90s and 2000s. Um, Ralph eventually transitioned his ownership to Tony Sharippa, Dina Frank, and others in the mid-2000s. And, you know, in, in the early 2010s to mid-2010s, they were getting ready to move on. And, and they had, we, you know, Christian came up with the idea and, and he had approached the ownership about a transition. And, you know, it took a while to get there. There was a lot of hard work, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of um, planning. But eventually we did get there and we were able to buy the, buy the firm from them. And then we were able to bring in people like Bola. Um, and and Jessica that we we really felt would complement the leadership group, but there was a lot of work that happened there as far as transit, not just transitioning the ownership of the firm, but transitioning the type of firm that it was. One thing that throughout my career I can say, and I've been fortunate to work on an, an enormous variety of project types, whether it's been industrial types, high end restaurants, healthcare projects, 
industrial, retail, office buildings, you name it, multi uh, residential types. I've, I've always been able to work on a lot of different pro- types of projects. And one thing I saw firsthand, and I believe Christian did too in 2009, was working at a firm that had did corporate interiors for financial firms. You really saw how quickly that crisis really devastated that firm as, a, as well as a lot of other ones. So from a work typology, we wanted to make sure we diversified the work we do, which is one of the reasons, thankfully, we're enjoying quite a lot of success right now is because we have experts in so many different types of, of real estate and architecture and construction projects. If, if one industry is not doing as well, the other one can pick it up. So we're, we're very fortunate to do that. That was one transition we had to actively make. And quite frankly, at first, it was a little bit tough because you had some folks that were used to working on only one type of project. And, you know, if they were doing high-end attorney offices, maybe they didn't want to build an industrial distribution facility somewhere in New Jersey. But, you know, we were able to find people that could do that work. And, you know, we were able to bring in people with those types of expertise, like such as life sciences and healthcare. Um, so it was a little bit of work to do that. And then as far as changing the culture of the firm, that was something that Similarly, it took years and a lot of effort, and it was uh, it was a concerted effort, and it was something that we had planned and something that we thankfully uh, accomplished over the years. Well, it sounds like you and Christian and your other partners had a strong vision for where you wanted to go. What was the vision that you that you developed when you were originally taking over the firm, and how does that parlay into your vision moving forward? Well, for me, it was really trying to build the firm where I wish I was able to work uh, because, quite frankly, I spent a lot of time in my career working at places that I did not care for and spending Sunday nights not too happy about having to go to work the next day. Um, so it was really all started with, and that was a conversation Christian and I had early on, even before we started working together when we were out one night, was how great it would be to be able to build the type of firm where we would want to work and we would want to be a part of. And that was kind of, for me at least, a guiding principle in a lot of the things we would do. Would you know, would 25-year-old Bill really want to work here and feel like a part of it um, as opposed to you know, getting browbeaten and, and wanting, to, yeah, <laughs> wanting to never go to the office again? And you know, that was one of the guiding principles that really helped us out a lot. So what kind of place do you want to work? I mean, a place where your your work is valued, where you're treated well, um, where you have, if you have an idea, people listen to it, you have an opportunity to do whatever you want to do. Um, I mentioned all the different sectors we in. We have somebody who came to us and wanted to do aviation work. They had one job, and before you know it, there's a ton of different jobs. You know, it's a whole sector we're doing. We had a, a woman here who wanted to work on on education, she did a project, and before you know it, we have you know she has her whole little group of and I'm doing all this education work. All of that to a person here who was very interested in technology and things a little bit above my head, and was able to you know with a little bit of time and resources provided by us, develop a completely different way in which we deliver our design. Um, so giving that opportunity to people and listening to people and making sure that they feel that their work is valued and appreciated. Uh, and I'll add to that right because I came in one year after they became owners. And I think as I was considering moving, one of the things that I did was before even like chatting with Christian in an interview was I just looked at, I looked at the firm's social media page, their website. And one of the things I really, really appreciated back now, six plus years ago, is that I could see the people that worked at the firm, right? They showcased 
down to the, the guy who worked at in the office services and literally just retired, I think maybe around COVID or the year after. He had been at the firm 35 years or 30 years and he was on the page, right? And it was almost like, you know, the humans behind the, the company. And for me, that's what I connect to, right? How do you treat your people? How do you showcase your people? Do you respect and value everyone, no matter their role? I could see that um, when I met with Christian, a lot of the things that I asked about was on the firm's values, right? I was a young mom when I moved here. I had two children under two that have now grown up with the firm. And I needed flexibility, right? I was like, listen, I... Children are like, I, I cannot tell you if I will be in the office tomorrow because I can wake up and something happens or a school calls. Would you afford me the flexibility that I need as a mom? I will work really hard. Mothers are very, very efficient. We have limited time, so we'll get our stuff done. But I need to know that the firm had that flexibility. So a lot of the things in terms of what the firm valued, what they were trying to create, space to grow, meaning promoting people who, you know, maybe in a traditional firm might not be principal yet or like myself. I use myself always as a perfect example. I am the, like the most unlikely candidate to have been a controller, right? A, if you look at my career ladder, you would have thought my next level to be like assistant controller, right? Shadowing a controller. But no, they're like, you're ready. <laughs> Even before I could see I was ready, right? That speaks to the firm's value. Um, and then also this idea of being very entrepreneurial, right? Like what what talents do you have and how can we as a firm help support and nurture it within you so that, you know, you, you can thrive, right? Bill's an awesome musician. I think that is what sort of like attracted me to the firm, right? A lot of us here are multi, multi-hyphenates. We have various passions and none of your... Um, passions outside of your quote-unquote work, professional work is shunned upon, but it's actually, we actually encourage it. And I feel like we have people who are working with us that are more engaged because of this, because of this um, environment that we've worked to create. And, and, you know, just to kind of postscript on to things that I wish I had as a firm, architects have massive, massive fragile egos um and 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 you know they tend to make everything about themselves but it's true <laughs> um having worked for a lot of them over the years and you know to be able to put your own ego aside for a second perhaps and you know deflect some credit to other people really um it gets paid off and it comes back uh, in, in 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 a much larger fashion and similarly when my wife had our first child back in 2003 she wanted to, you know, like any new mom, she needed a little bit of flexibility in the company. It wasn't an architecture firm, but the company she worked for basically said, no, you're either going to come here and work full time year out. And my wife actually ended up being a stay-at-home mom, which worked out great. But that is something that I wish, you know, she had that opportunity to go somewhere where they could, you know, perhaps treat her a little bit better. So values are so important to a firm. Right. They are the bedrock of the culture that you create. Do you take a formal approach to sort of talking about the values? Are they documented someplace? Or is it something that is just part of the part of the DNA of the firm now? You know, we 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 we've we've done 
exercises. We have our core values. You know, we, we, we have them on coffee cups and we have them here and everybody knows them. But quite frankly, anything you can do with that is all, all a bunch of BS if everybody doesn't live it every day and, and live by example and set the example for that. So let's talk a little bit about trust. Uh, trust is such an important concept uh, in making any kind of transition. Uh, clearly, there's a lot of trust in the leadership team, among the leadership team, based on the stories that you were telling. Um, and people need to feel as though they are trusted if they are going to bring more of themselves and be more authentic in the, in the workplace. How is it that you all approach trying to create a trusting environment? I mean, being yourself is a good start. Like I said, you know, as part of the biggest part of leadership, which, you know, I, I quite frankly learned from, from, from my dad was, you know, you have to be yourself and you have to like, let people see who you are. And if people see that you are yourself and, you know, for the good and the bad, then they're encouraged to do that as well. It also does, you know, promote trust because people think if you, if, if I can trust you to be myself and not put on airs, then certainly you can trust me that I'm not going to judge you if you know, you're a little bit different or you do something a little bit differently than I do. Perhaps we can learn from each other. Yeah, and I think for us, um, because of of what Bill just said, it, it, there's a ripple effect down to the next tier of leaders, right? Who are uh, some running our studios, right? Knowing that they have leaders who are real, not perfect, allows them to show up as real, not perfect to the project managers and teams that they're supervising and working with, especially when you are working on projects as a team. They really need to develop that sense of trust um, to deliver excellent work to our, our clients as well as excellent work to each other, holding themselves accountable. And if we ran a firm where you make one mistake, it, it is the end of the world. And again, we're not seeing it as a uh, one failing very fast and learning and, you know, and course correcting from, from whatever mistake you might make. It would shoot us in the foot, you know, like so this is like many years of um, them watching us, not just talking the talk, but actually walking it. Uh, we are not the smartest folks in our room. Um, our management slash leadership team is, I think even before there are some folks who have gotten promotions over the years, but we had one of our, one of the gentlemen that's on the team, he was on the management team before he was 30. That gives you a, a pulse of what is happening on the floor. That also helps us develop trust with our with you know the folks who work with us at the firm. It's like okay, these these people are really serious about um, saying that they promote um, you know they promote a culture where you know no matter your age, no matter no matter what our difference is, right? That that there's diversity within a leadership group, and that in itself. I think when uh, folks who are in the firm see that, it builds trust. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, they're they're really serious. It's not just uh, owners making decisions and just, uh, you know, with a hammer sending it down. But we care enough about our people to have representation of everyone making the decisions that affect all of, all of, of our lives. So trust is big. You can see the projects that succeed and do really well. It's because the teams have deep trust in each other's work, deep trust knowing that they will show up for each other um, and and 
walk through the challenges <laughs> that are existing on the projects and figure it out together. Those are the ones I see from my financial side, which projects are doing well, which bottom lines are getting impacted greatly is from those teams or projects that um, they've developed this this good sense of trust amongst each other. A lot of trust will come out of the way that you talk about treating people, like treating people with respect, yep. mm-hmm. listening to them, being true to who you are and presenting yourself authentically. But do you do things to consciously build trust either among teams or in the whole firm? You know, one of the one of the things that we do, which we just had um, this past Friday <laughs> in September, we have our town halls. Uh, where we um, every single month we are speaking to the whole firm uh, and um, you know talking about project wins, project losses, where we are financially right. There's a lot of transparency there. That helps uh, when you lay out a vision. That helps folks consciously want be reminded of their why. Why are they in the company? Uh, how are they? Um, how do they fit into this whole uh, journey that we're all on? And um, I think having that sort of like centering um, as a whole organization every month helps us with that. The town hall might not only just be, you know, firm status, but then they have a social one. So, for example, the the one that we just had was the Duffies, which is like the Oscars, but for the firm, right? That that it was pretty cool. Not done by us, done by people at the firm, right? We essentially trust our employees to put together an amazing um, team building. I mean, technically, that 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 really is what it is, right? So, from a culture perspective, like that's sort of how that's one avenue where we intentionally build trust in uh, the vision of the firm and where we're taking them to, pulling everybody together, showing them where where we're at. Um, once once we set our goals at the start of the year and how we are progressing towards that, that that intentionally builds trust from that aspect. Yeah, but so listen, you know, and, and again, that that's one way in which in which you know it's an active thing, like like you mentioned. But you know, the rest of it really just has to be genuine, and it has to be like I said, living it. Where if if we're on a project and somebody messes up, somebody makes a mistake potentially, and you know, nobody's, no, no, thankfully nobody got killed, nobody got hurt, and, you know, we, we can fix it. Instead of ripping their head off and, you know, telling them what a horrible person they are, taking the time to sit with them and show them that the world's not going to end. This is what happened. This is how we fix it. This is we get through it. And this is how it doesn't happen again. And doing that in, in a way that helps grow, lets people know that they have your trust to go through and do things and, and give their best efforts. And if, something doesn't quite work out the way it was, they're not going to get killed. They're not going to get fired. They're not going to get, you know, their head ripped off or anything like that because um, it has to be balanced with things that are planned as well as really living it because there's so many, in general right now, there are so many contrivances out there and there's so many people that quite are, are just full of it that put these things out there and don't live it. And people can see through that pretty quickly. So it has to be balanced with with both with both ends of it. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So when you think about the future, what do you see for Mancini Duffy? World domination. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, you know, listen the the idea is to take what we have here 
with what we've built and start to you know start to spread that around um start to spread that in other markets within the united states and and you know just keep that in manageable groups and and, and keep that and spread it around and support it and grow the company and grow the business i think for me um in terms of um Mancini's future, part of what uh, really excited me about joining ownership was the incredible things that we're doing with technology and how it not only just impacts our firm, but like actually impacts the profession, right? I can't tell you how many times I talk about our design lab, our 360 design process, our now patent approved uh, software that we've developed and I see the excitement and the world of possibilities that I think we we didn't even envision when we first had folks curing a 3D printed model outside in the sun in our old office for three days. You know, we, we could not have imagined the advancement innovation that has happened over the last five years. And so when I think about the future, I mean, there's just there's a world of limitless possibilities for us as a firm, continuing to do, of course, incredible projects, serving um, you know, our core customers and clients, still working with amazing people who believe in um, how we think differently, how we are doing things the Mancini way, how we are helping to solve the issues that they have. Um, I think our future is really exciting from that standpoint. I think also it allows our peers also feel challenged, right? If they are like have gone out and it made all this investment into tech, and like I said, we now have this you know patent uh, approved software. Well, you got to step your game up, right? You have to step your game up in terms of defining what your own unique selling point is. It's been incredible for me to just step into that lab and what I, I bet you I'll step in there this afternoon and they've developed another solution for our clients that I didn't see last week. That sort of innovation being weaved into just your day-to-day job, I think is next to none, right? And I'm very fortunate to be part of our story. So I'm, I'm excited for what the future holds for us. Well, it sounds like there's a tremendous amount of energy for whatever's next in your adventure. Bill and Bola, thank you so much for being with us on This Is Design Intelligence, and uh, we wish you the very best uh, in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for joining us for this edition of This Is Design Intelligence. The producer is Laura Spells. The sound engineer is Jared Knabel. This has been a DI Media Group production.